Do you need this? Okay. Right. Well, good morning. It's good to be back here at Lighthouse again. This time with my better half. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> well, before we start, my wife and I, Isabel, for those of you who don't know her, this is this beautiful lady here, my bride. Will you stand, please, honey bun? Amen. We want to thank you from the bottom of our heart for your faithfulness through the years. When we first came here, we were much younger. And um, Lighthouse made an impact on us. And it continues to do so. We want to thank Pastor for his hospitality and taking us out to eat Saturday night and allowing us to come be with you. And where's Brother Lovett? Where's he at? There he is back in the back there. Him and his wife and family have uh, allowed us to stay in their apartment a couple of times. And, and uh, Brother Lovett, thank you so very much. Your hospitality is written down in heaven. And uh, folks, we want to thank you for allowing us to be a part of your small groups. That was fun. I enjoyed that. And so uh, maybe we'll just stay here. No, I can't stay here. But uh, uh, we, we want to thank you for allowing us to participate this morning. Missions is God's heart. Folks, it is not a program that a church does. Going to youth camp is that. Your couple's day out is that. Missions is God's heart. It is what God loves doing. When he created Adam and Eve, he created them perfect. But he didn't want robots. He wanted people who would love him back, who would fellowship because that's what they wanted. So he gave Adam an option. And of course, God, all-knowing and sovereign, knew this, but Adam sinned and broke fellowship. And I say all that to say this. Missions is God restoring man to the original state. It is God reconciling man to himself. He loves it so much that he gave his only son to, to come and be born of a virgin and to live a life in perfect harmony with God, showing man how to live for God. And then died a vicarious death shedding his blood to wash away the sins of the world. But unlike 
other leaders, he is not dead. He rose the third day. And victory, because death could not contain him. <laughs> and so death has no more sting. And missions is continuing what God is doing. This morning, I would like to show you a passage and preach out of it so that we can grasp. And, and by the way, I love pastor's heart. And him wanting to keep missions before the church is a God thing. It is a God thing. And it's needed because it is the purpose we are here. The reason Lighthouse is here is not to be a beautiful building with people in it. It's because Cortez needs the gospel. And Colorado <laughs> needs the gospel. And the United States even more and more needs the gospel. And Brazil certainly does. And the world needs the gospel. That's why you are here. Let's open the Bible to Mark chapter two. And I'm going to read a passage about something that happened in Jesus' life when his disciples were with him and many, many others. And then I'm gonna read one verse out of Luke out of the same account. Because I like the way Luke and Mark, when they, you know, they had different perspectives, but uh, I like putting them together. And I had thought about just putting all the verses and then reading it all, but I thought, no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna first read Mark, then turn to Luke. All right, Mark chapter two. Before we read, let's go to the Lord. Our most gracious Father in heaven, as we open your precious word and we go into it to read what you have for us this morning, we cry, Abba, Father, please prepare our hearts for your word. Dear God, please speak to me and through me. Please allow me to be a blessing and please, dear God, hide your servant behind the cross of Jesus Christ. And Father, above all, we pray that you would be honored and glorified. Please save souls this morning and edify your church. Allow us to continue serving you. We'll be careful to give you the honor and the glory for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Mark chapter two, starting in Verse one, the Bible says, and again, he entered into Capernaum and after some days, it was noised that he was in the house. Let's just stop there a second. In the house. You know how people say, is in the house? Well, that's not what he's talking about, okay? This right here, uh, chances are he was in Peter's house because that's where Peter lived. And, uh, and so he was there and I would imagine he wasn't a mansion. So the, the house was full, okay? All right. And straightway, many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word. You know, I think he should have put, and he preached himself. Because <laughs> he is the word, amen. 
He preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. Now, let me stop there. This man who was sick, it represents people who are not saved. They are sick and they are sick with a disease that is fatal and it's fatal 100% of the time. It's called sin. All right? And as here, he could not go himself. He needed someone to go get him. And folks, the people out there are not going to come to God alone. That's why the Bible says we must go and get them. And, and, and that's what is happening here. It represents people that need God, that need help. All right, now turn with me, if you will, to Luke. Luke chapter five. One verse only, verse 19. Luke 5, now hold your finger in Mark because we're going back to Mark, all right? I find it interesting that Mark and Luke were not disciples, were not apostles, but they were disciples for sure, okay? Luke chapter 5, verse 19, the Bible says, and when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. Now back to Mark again. In verse four it says, and when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, and that's not talking about CBS or NBC, okay? That's talking about so many people on top of our Lord. They uncovered the roof where he was and when they had uh, broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Now let's just stop there one second. All right? They broke it up. Have you ever had somebody break into your house through the roof? All right? I don't know if you could do that. In Brazil you could because we don't, you know, we don't have types of roofs that we have here. We have like Mexican style tile. All right. So lots of times, in fact, one time my wife and I were coming home from a, ch a ch church after having been fed of the gospel. We were excited and we got home and realized I locked the key in the house. And so Isa said, so what are you going to do? <laughs> Wives, you know, so what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to be a man. I'm going to get the key. So he said, go for it. So I called someone else to go on top of the roof that, was, uh, uh, that could fit better, okay, inside, all right? So he had to uncover the roof, and he had to go inside. He had to break some of the wood, go inside the house, Where's the key? Oh, went in and got the key, came back out, and we went into the house. Well, we, we, finally, we got into the house. It made a mess, all right? We have bats that live up in our, our uh, attic, all right? And they remind us that they're there every night. But uh, I felt at home in Carlsbad Caverns. No, I'm, not, no, I'm just playing, okay. And so anyway... 
when they broke it up, I can imagine all the people stopping. Now, folks, this did not catch Jesus by surprise, all right? In fact, one could say Jesus was there waiting for them. But either way, breaking it up, the people didn't know. So they're there looking, and there's dust, and there's, you know, to set a couch down, I don't know how big yours is, but to, you know, it's not that kind, probably uh, like a cot, all right? But still, it's, it's a man's. You've got to break up a lot and lower him in there. He had all the attention. And the Bible says it was in the midst. So it's not like in the corner over there. It's like everybody saw it. But that's exactly what Jesus wanted. All right, and the Bible says in verse five, Mark chapter two, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. And folks, we don't have scribes and Pharisees uh, alive today, but we have scribes and Pharisees. If you can understand what I'm saying. All right? Why doth this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Little did they know. And immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. The sick of the palsy didn't say, do I have to? He got up. God is caught and said, well, I don't need this rope anymore. Folks, what I'm saying is, the people, Jesus realized that sure, he needed to walk again, but he needed forgiveness of sins more. And folks, that's what the people outside of these walls need, forgiveness of sins. So I wanna show you three things this morning about this passage. Now, that was just the introduction, but the sermon is shorter, okay, don't worry, all right? The king is coming back soon. So these, these men who are bringing him, they're in a hurry. All right, they are bringing him and, and they are thinking in their mind, Jesus never stays in one place for a long time. So he's, he's in this house and so we better hurry. And folks, our king's coming back soon. He is and we need to hurry. There's no time waste. That does, not, that does not mean you don't prepare. You do. But there's no time to waste. People are dying and going to hell. And they need salvation. Forgiveness. God's love. They need take up your bed and walk. That's what they need. And so they were in a hurry and they get there and they lowered them down. And I find it interesting that the Bible says when he saw their faith the Bible says in Mark and Luke that there was four of them. They climbed up there and lowered this man. 
But Jesus saw their faith. That means when you go out to witness, that person who you're going to go witness to uh, needs the gospel, needs faith, but Jesus sees your faith. Because it takes faith in God to go. So number one, they were bringing the man to Jesus. They weren't going to be religious. Now there are some people who come to church to be religious. You know, they, they want to check off. I went to church today. There's something big going on this afternoon. I don't know what it is exactly, but uh, enough of that. Okay, well, anyway. And so anyway, the thing that's happening big today is church, amen? Praise God, yes. And so some people try to be religious. That's not why they were going. Some people, they want to hurry because it's the fad, you know. Sometimes in this country, church has become a fad. In some churches, that's not why we should go. That's not why we should go out there either. They were going to take the man to Jesus. Why? You know, when, when Jesus was talking to his disciples, Philip, one of the things he said was, Master, show us the way. And Jesus looked at him and he said a whole bunch of other things, but one of the things he said was, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto Abba, Father, except through me. And so they were going to Jesus because he's the only way. Folks, the Bible says that wide is the way that leadeth to destruction. Narrow is the way that leadeth to life. The gate to destruction is wide and many there are that go there. But the gate that leadeth to God, Father, Jesus Christ, is narrow. That's why they need somebody to lead them there. To show them because, folks, listen, Satan knows what he's doing. And he knows how to twist and to, to make uh, things that are wrong look right. And that's why people out there, they're so full of religion, they don't need that. They need somebody to say, I'll show you the way. Jesus is the way. They were taking him there because there is no other way outside of Jesus. We need to go, go, go and lead them to the Lord. That's what missions is all about. What's your name? Luke. Hey, Luke. Reading out of Luke here. Okay. There are people at your school that need the Lord. Yeah. I have a little bitty block on my display called an evangel cube. Pastors, a daughter, you know how pastors' kids are, you know. They, they don't want to touch anything because they're, you know, the pastor, hmm, daddy, you know. So it's like, I know, I was an MK, I know, you know, all about that. And so she's sitting there looking at it as if it's, you know, and I said, do you want to see that? you want to, yeah. So I showed her the gospel out of it, and she said, I know that story, praise the Lord. You know, there are many ways you can lead somebody to the Lord because he's the only way. The Bible says he is the truth. Folks, there is one truth. Truth is not relative. There is one right here. This is the truth. Now, now Satan, 
you know, I can imagine him in his mind, he's thinking, you know, those independent Baptists, oh, they are so sticklers to the word of God. Oh, and they have to use that Bible. Everything. You know, I had a guy one time who wanted to be a dictionary. He wanted to be a missionary, actually, and he was young. And, and every time he said something, I would get scripture and show him. And his response was, do you have to quote the Bible and everything? <laughs> I said, it's, it's all we have. But, but folks, I can imagine Satan in his mind saying this. Oh, those Oh, but if I could change the Bible. Oh. And folks, that's what he's doing. We have to keep to the truth because Jesus is the truth. They don't need to know the different fads and the different things we're doing, the different programs. That's good. The first thing they need is the gospel, the truth of the gospel. I went to a doctor's office one time and I'm sitting there. You know, they have popular mechanics and sports illustrated. I saw this one. I looked at it. Reader's Digest Bible. That's not what they need. I'm just, you know, I opened the one scripture there and it said uh, that Jesus was born of a young lady. Uh uh-uh. He was born of a virgin. That's how Satan does it. And folks, that's why he is the truth. It's not relative, it's not popular, but it's true. And that's what they need. And he is life. He is life. Remember when, when Jesus turned and spoke to everybody about what they would need to do, follow him? And then many from that day said, this is too hard. And the Bible says many turned and never followed Jesus again. Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, will you leave me too? And you know, I can imagine Jesus Christ says that today. Whenever pastors start speaking the truth, and many people don't like it. And then Jesus may look at you and say, are you going to leave me too? But Peter said something. You know, he denied the Lord. Now, people want to focus on that. Let me tell you something. Peter said, where would we go? You have the words of life. And we know that thou art the Christ, the Messiah. Jesus Christ is life. And that's what people need. That's what missions is all about. Getting someone who's dead and making them alive through the quickening of the Lord Jesus Christ. I need to hurry up. (laughs) Secondly, they brought the man to Jesus, and secondly, they uncovered the roof. Now, we already went through that story, so I'm just gonna pass through here quickly, but since it's gonna snow tomorrow, I'll slow down some. (laughs) They uncovered the roof, and the Bible says that that, 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 that they broke it up. You know, folks, this reminds me of Nehemiah. Remember when he got authorization from the king where, the, where, where they were 
captive and the king sent him back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. Remember that? And he got there and the walls were all broken. And so Nehemiah spoke to the people and the people began to work to rebuild the wall. But they had discouragement. They had people on the outside saying, what are you doing? You, have you ever had anybody discourage you? Oh, you Baptist thing. Oh, man. You see, you're one of those Christian people, aren't you? But you know something? They built the wall. Do you know why? Because the people had a mind to work. And folks, that's what we need, a mind to work. Just since I've been here this morning, I've heard so many compliments on pastor. Good pastor, man of God, good heart. And what he was showing me, that's what this church needs. Because a a disciple, for you to be able to rebuild the wall, for you to be able to go out there and work, you have to be discipled. Because there's a lot of discouragement out there. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So we need to uncover the tiles of unbelief and trust God. You know, folks, listen. You ever heard the expression, no pain, no gain? I never knew what that meant, but anyway, I don't go to that. You know, I don't go to the a gym. You know, my, this is my exercise here. No, I'm, I'm just playing. And so when you want to grow your muscles, it requires pain. Your muscles get hurt, and then they put meat over it to grow. I had big here when I was younger, and they all sunk. All right? But I had big ones. All right, growing and pain. You know, folks, when you want your faith to grow, you have got to exercise your faith. And we have to uncover the, the tiles of unbelief and trust God. He can do it. When it's time to give, when it's time to trust God in offerings, when it's time to give missions, when it's time to go, you have to trust God, believe him. We have to uncover the tiles of prayerlessness. You know, in the small groups over here, one of the things that the men talked about a lot was, was prayer. And folks, listen, all throughout the New Testament, Jesus is praying, waking up early. And folks, that's what a servant of God needs. Do you want to start? This is what you need to do. There are some people working oil fields here and carpenters maybe and others and your hands get all calloused. A Christian needs to have callous right here on his knees where he's always kneeling in prayer before God. God, I can't do this without you. This church needs you. My mother's not saved. My father's not saved. My friend's not saved. Lord, give me the words. I trust you. We need to uncover that so we can get them to Jesus. It's not going to be easy. Following the Lord isn't. But I'll tell you one thing. You trust him, he'll never let you down. Amen. Uncover the tiles of, now this last word is kind of a hard one. Apathy. You know, that's one thing I've seen in a lot of churches across this nation. Christians with apathy. 
You know what apathy is? We have an expression in Brazil. Now I'm going to teach you it. Everyone raise your hand. Turn it like this and go like this. That right there is an expression. For her, it would be easy. As an expression, it means I don't care. And folks, that's what apathy is. We live our life every day and we see people, we cross people and yet we don't share the gospel. How many times do we go through a McDonald's and don't give a track out? How many times do we go to a cash register? How many times do we go to school? How many times do we go to work and never once? Missions is not only giving money, it's giving the gospel. We need to uncover those tiles to get people to the Lord. And thirdly, and I'm done, this third one won't last long, maybe another hour or so, but hey. (laughs) The Bible says that they lowered the man. Now, we're not talking Star Trek here, beaming him down. They lowered him with an unseen character. Now, folks, I want you to follow me here. Four people lowered him using a rope. This is why I brought this. I guarantee you it wasn't a rope like this, all right? This is for demonstration, all right? They lowered him using a rope. And folks, I'll tell you this. That rope was what got the man to Jesus. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes 4, 12. And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. That's talking about people. This rope has two ends. This end, there's three strands in here. The church, the missionary, and God. And on the other end, faith, giving, and going. And folks, we need a generation who will take this rope to take people to Jesus who are not afraid to say, I'll go. God promises to lift in every generation, lift people to go into his harvest. The problem is many people are not going. They're not surrendering. And here, if they had gotten them on top of the roof, which they wouldn't have been able to without the rope, they certainly couldn't have lowered them in. You know something? This this rope... is glued together. Now I'm talking about our spiritual rope. 
is glued together with two things, love and grace. And folks, when you experience the grace of God, you'll never be the same again. And folks, the Bible, in all the laws, there were thousands of laws, but Jesus said they all boil down to two. Love God and love man. Through God's grace and our love for him first and man, we bring people to Jesus. So the question is, how about you? Will you grab hold of the rope and allow God and the church to find you? Will you allow yourself to have faith to give and to go? And then who knows? I've seen it happen. You come through that door with a visitor that you brought to Jesus and he comes to the Lord. And then the rope is what got him to the Lord because you were used of the Lord. Folks, we need to bring people to Jesus. We need to uncover the tiles. And then we need to lower people to Jesus to where he can see your faith and say, thy sins be forgiven thee. Folks, that is the root of missions. That is how this gets done. The question is, are you using the Lord to allow him to you, you? Are you allowing God to transform your life and saying, Lord, here am I, use me. Maybe you are here this morning and you don't know what we're talking about in the sense that you don't know the Lord. Maybe you've never been washed in the blood of the Lamb. What is that? Good question. Maybe you have never given your life completely over to the Lord and allowed him to forgive you and to save you. Maybe you haven't been born again. Nicodemus was a very religious man, but he didn't know what it meant to be born again. Later on in life, he was a follower of Jesus. Folks, maybe you are here and you've never asked God to save you. I'm not talking about religion, being baptized, coming to church, all that's good. But it's, it's, it's out of place unless you're saved first. Because sitting on that bench will not take you to heaven. In fact, you know, there are gonna be every church when the Lord comes back and there's gonna be people sitting there. Are you going to be one of them? Let the Lord save you this morning. And you that are saved, born again, are you 
bringing people to Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life. Are you uncovering the tiles in your life that are getting in the way of you getting people to the Lord? Are you allowing your church and God to work in your life to send you? You know, Luke over here, he may only be, I knew I was going to say that, 13 years old, but you want to know something? So was David. David was young like that. David became a man after God's heart. God can use Luke if he'll allow him to. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes.